let's get back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Let me read. In fact, I'll read verse 1 from last week. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So, Lord, we pray. Thank you for your word. Thank you over probably 4,000 years, these different books and these stories of your engagement with your people. And we read, the, we read your word today and by your spirit, bring it alive to us to feed us and nurture us and encourage us and for us to meet with you, we pray. Amen. So we had a whole series on reset. This is like a mini series at the end of the reset series with Psalm 23. And the word that we felt God shared nationally with lots of churches that we share with you is that one of the things the Lord's inviting us to do is to reset our preferences like on a phone, hit the hard reset that we are so prone in consumer culture to do things how we want, when we want. And, and that might be one of the things that the Lord is doing at the minute with us, that he wants to reset us. And will we say yes to his preferences and not ours? One of the ways to know that it's his preference and not ours is that we don't like it. <laughs> but one of the things we discover in Psalm 23 is how his preferences can become ours and that we are, can become desperate for them and long for them. And there is this moment, really believe it as I stand up here week by week, thinking, what are we doing here? This moment in history to participate in what God has. I asked last week, um, sort of as a little thought exercise, how many of you have looked back and realized that God did something when you were worried he wasn't going to, and lots of people were nodding? And I said, how many of you wish that you trusted God more then? than afterwards, and lots of people were doing that. I think we have this moment, and we see in Psalm 23, the Lord is saying, will you let me be your shepherd? I mean, what's one of the most famous lines in Psalm 23? Though I walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Just, we're gonna to get to that passage. Just for that to be a reality in our lives, wouldn't that be awesome at the moment? That's what the Lord has for us at this time in history and so much more. And I said last week, and by the way, if you miss a week, if you're watching at home or you're online, please do catch up with this and maybe read Psalm 23. I've recommended a book by Philip Keller, sent it out to you, about a real shepherd who looks at what happens, and I'm using his commentary on Psalm 23 week by week, and do use that. And that this is more than just a metaphor. It's more than a nice story. It's more than an example. It is a fundamental reality about how God has made the universe and us. He sees us as sheep, Scripture says again and again and again. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And at the end of time, the image of the lamb and the shepherd. This is a way that we can live and draw close to God at this time and know him. So I've got two main points. I, I sent it through to the uh, team late, so I'm not sure if it made it into your app. If it did, it's in the fill-in notes on your app and the other Bible verses. I have another verse to read, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money 
and without cost. Scripture again and again and again, and Jesus himself is obsessed with this notion that we can eat from him and drink from him. In fact, when he made that claim, it's one of the reasons that lots of the disciples following gave up and went away. They said, this doesn't make sense. I could see Lorraine nodding because she had to preach on that and John earlier this year. Jesus said, I am life. It's as, as, as important as the air you breathe, the food you eat, and what you drink. It's not a metaphor. And, and I tried to touch and unpack that because it's at the heart of this passage. Because it's how you and I live day to day. Some of us will go without food because we're in love, won't we? Any of you remember being so in love that you forgot to eat? Anybody? Some of you are like, no, never happened to me. <laughs> Did to me. I remember once, just so besotted with my girlfriend as she was now wife, I thought, I can't remember when I last ate. We know that things of life affect us physically and emotionally, what we drink and what we eat. What happens when we're really depressed and sad? What do we often go and do? Eat a tub of haagen don't we? Food and our relationship with food is about our relationship with life. And Jesus says, not only does he work at that register with us, if we spend time with him, and I will, I'll flip back. I'm trying to stay away from my notes and just lean into maybe what the Lord might be saying today. I remember early when I was in John. We did John earlier this year. Jesus goes, there's the woman at the well. He is tired. He is thirsty. And yet even Jesus himself, once he has this interaction with the woman at the well, the, this Samaritan woman, and God turns up. When the disciples get back, Jesus is no longer hungry and thirsty. The woman at the well isn't thirsty anymore. In fact, she runs back into town, forgetting her thirst. Do you see how it works? It's at that level that God works with us. And it's why we're going to see Psalm 23 and other passages in Scripture, and Jesus in particular say, if you want to know how you're getting on in your relationship with me and what I have with you, look at what you're eating and drinking and looking at. Look at what you're using with your senses to deal with life, because that's the place that Jesus works. So two things I want to share with you from this passage. The first one is this uh, in your notes. Where are you laying down? There's four things that we need for peace. Um, and the second one is a tale of two cisterns. Did you see what I did there? Yeah? Do you like it? Yeah, yeah, some of you do. A tale of two cisterns. Let's read Psalm 4, verse 8. Where are you laying down? In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. This stunning second verse, the first verse was stunning last week. Lord, <laughs> we talked about lordship and lack last week. Um, it's been interesting, I've heard a few people say to me this week, it's stuck with them, I lack nothing, I lack nothing, I lack nothing. But this one, he makes me lie down. The image here immediately is of contentment and provision and safety with the shepherd. He makes me. And again, go and look up in the original language. It doesn't say he invites me. It says he makes me. Philip Keller in his commentary as a real shepherd says, it is almost impossible, even with brute force, to make a sheep lie down 
unless four things are taken care of. You can hit a sheep, beat a sheep, try to hold it down, but it will not be made to lay down unless four things are in place. And these four things are, unsurprisingly, four things that Philip Keller shows us and that the psalmist had in mind. And remember, David is writing this. David knows this about sheep. A sheep cannot be made to lay down unless four things are dealt with in its life. The first one is this. I'll just tell you them quickly. Freedom from fear. You have to be free from fear to lie down in peace with the shepherd. You have to be free from relational frictions and conflicts. You have to be free from torment, things around you. And you need to be free from hunger. Four things. If a sheep has those four things, then they can be made to lay down. If the shepherd says lay down, they will lay down. Let's take the first one. So a sheep will not lie down and drink unless it's free from fears and dangers. And sheep are easily worried by shadows, noises. They are timid. They are feeble. They tremble. I don't have a sheep in my house, but I have a dog who is neurotic. And he has literally, I have seen a leaf blow out in front of him and him jump. I've seen his shadow pop out in front of a car and him be terrified. Um, some animals are skittish by nature. Sheep, by nature, are hardwired to be skittish and timid and feeble. And remember this passage is saying that human beings are the same. And we don't have to pause for long to realize that we really are the same, aren't we? What does it take to make us jump, be worried, intimidated? to catastrophize, to fear. And do you know what is the one thing above everything else that settles the sheep so that they are not afraid? And don't worry about the shadows or the darkness or the noises or the wolves or the leaves or the rustling. What is it? What do you reckon it is? Have a guess. One thing. The shepherd. So Philip Keller says he could, you know, he'll stand off in the distance and see the sheep in the field and there's like something's happening, there's a noise, you know, a wolf has howled or the, there's leaves blowing and some of the sheep are all like, ah, 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 ah. but the moment a sheep catches sight of the shepherd, here's another dynamic that happens, a shepherd that knows, a sheep that knows the shepherd will suddenly see the shepherd and be calm even when he's not ready, not there. And then the other sheep around that shepherd will go, why aren't you freaking out? Oh, the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd, the shepherd. And watches eventually as the whole herd, not herd, my wife told me off, I kept saying a herd of sheep. You herd sheep, but it's a flock of sheep, isn't it? There we go. My wife's not in the room. I could say anything I want, can't I? You wouldn't tell her, would you? Do say, I can't believe Jason called a flock of sheep a herd of sheep. Anyway, you herd a flock of sheep. But just the shepherd walking up, and he, this is lovely in the book, he talks about how the whole flock would just suddenly become calm because they know they're safe. Some of you maybe knew that in life. Maybe your parents were good shepherds to you. That in the midst of all the crazy and the chaos, I've had to do that with my kids. I can watch them jumping at shadows and sometimes just to be with them and go, that's all they need. They know it's going to be okay. Someone is with them who will care for them and take them through what they're going through. The shepherd. 
And we might pause there and say, where is Jesus for you at the minute as the shepherd? With everything that you're facing. It's a question I ask myself preparing for today. Is he near or is he far? Did he disappear during COVID? Can you see him on the horizon? Would you like him to be nearer to you? Because he, if he is our shepherd, can settle us. Second thing on this then, freedom from relational friction. Because of the relational nature of sheep, sheep are highly relational. And they won't lie down, even if they're okay, if the other sheep around them are freaking out. Because they go, if you're freaking out, I'm going to freak out. That's what sheep do. And all animals have a pecking order. You've heard that term, haven't you? Who's at the top, who's at the bottom? Sheep have something called a butting order. Did you know that? Sheep, when they're angry, when they're distressed, when they're worried, will take it out on the other sheep around them by smacking them in the head with their head. And then there's a pecking order for the sheep who do it the best and the hardest. It's called a butting order. And um, what happens is that this is, again, the shepherd says, sheep have conflicts, jealousy, rivalry, discontent. He said he'd even seen a sheep who's so unhappy with their life that they will wander around the flock and find the happy sheep and smack them in the head to make their lives miserable. Because the sheep want company. The sheep that is worried wants the other sheep to be worried with them. Does that sound familiar? And you know what the shepherd does? We'll get to the shepherd's rod later. What a good shepherd will do to make the other sheep feel safe is he will take the rod and he will use it, the word Philip Keller says, is aggressively. In other words, the shepherd will be the chief butter and will butt the other sheep and say, you are not going to worry the others. A content sheep can be worried and infected and become discontent. And again, I just thought here, maybe we pause and think of what's your disposition? What's mine? What's influencing us? in person or online. And again, guess what? When the sheep are doing this to one another, when a few of them are running around going, I'm angry, I'm going to make you angry, and banging each other with their heads, guess what settles the sheep down most of the time? It's the same thing as the last time I asked you. What is it? The presence of the chief butter, the shepherd. The presence of the shepherd. And then Philip Keller says something like this, which is wonderful, that taking this metaphor and this reality where sheep are made to lie down. By the way, that's a position of vulnerability by the sheep because they trust the shepherd. They're able to be vulnerable. And Philip Keller just mentions this in passing. He said he looks at our lives and he says, where do we do the opposite? Where do we stand up? for ourselves. Do you hear that phrase? I need to stand up for myself. And sometimes we do. But sometimes we are standing up because we've been butted. We're standing up because of anxiety around us. And it's not the shepherd who is making us stand up. One of the signs that you know that you are being influenced by the chief butter and the chief shepherd is that you will lay down peacefully. I got ribbed this week that one of the words I use is diagnostic. Everyone has a word they use a lot, don't they? But I like the word diagnostic. It's a way you can tell what's going on. 
Are you standing up at the minute for yourself in the face of adversity? Maybe you need to for some things. But is it, is it anxiety or is it worry or is it something else? Or is it the presence of the shepherd? Because the presence of the shepherd makes a different response into us. And this is the other thing. I'll finish on this point with this. I talked last week about the scandal of having Jesus as our shepherd in a world that says you are the shepherd of your own life. You're in charge. You take care of yourself. I told you about my grandmother. My lovely grandmother just died a few years ago. When I was little, she said to me, I've got some advice for you. I remember putting my arms, I used to try and put my arms around her. And then eventually there was the day when I could get my arms all the way around her. That was a special day. Unfortunately, I remember what she said to me next as she was holding me. She said, Jason, let me give you some advice. Take care of yourself because nobody else will. That's what she'd learned about life. I remember that vividly. Shocking that Jesus would be our shepherd, that we believe he takes care of us. And even more shocking, if you say, Jesus, be my shepherd. He's the chief butter. What might he do to you? Bang. Has anyone had a rap on the head from Jesus? If you've never had a rap on the head from Jesus, you're probably one of the best sheep that have ever lived, or you've never let the Lord discipline you. Third thing, freedom from torment. Oh, sheep will not lay down if they're infested with flies and tormented by pests. And this is, this is the gross bit. Sheep become infested with nasal flies. Yeah. Just reading that in the book, I was like, ooh, I thought I'm not going to Google that. Do not Google nasal flies. I didn't do it, but I suspect nothing good will come from it for you. And ticks. And what happens is... You think about sensory overload. This is where we're going, and this is why this, again, back to the sensory and the input. The, you imagine flies in your nose and your eyes and your ears and ticks and everything, and it drives the sheep literally crazy because of all the sensations and horrible feelings. They can't see properly. They can't, just the smell and the noise and everything else. So what a sheep will do is they will run to the nearest tree or bushes, and they will smack their heads in sheer desperation to try to make it stop. So one of the things that a shepherd, uh, Philip Keller in his book will talk about, is he knows shepherds that are not looking after their sheep because he can see how distressed they are because they're having to try and take care of themselves. But what a good shepherd will do, and we'll get to this again in the psalm. The psalmist is already pointing there. He says, he anoints my head with oil. Now, that's not a priestly thing. Well, it is, but mostly what the, what the shepherd is in particular is doing is not anointing his sheep like some priestly thing. He is deluging their head with an oil and with chemicals in it that sticks to them. And it goes into their eyes and into their nose and into their ears and into their mouth. It's quite an unpleasant experience for the sheep. But the shepherd does it for a particular reason because it kills off the nasal flies. It stops all the ticks and the creatures get caught up. And then the shepherd can go around every day and he can clean up the sheep and look after them. And here's the other amazing thing about sheep. Sheep that have learned to trust the shepherd will stop 
and will let him do this thing. Now, I tried to think of an example. Who's been to the dentist and not liked it? You know, you, have, you sit there, you're like, I know this is good for me, but, you know, I, I went to the dentist recently and he's got things on the ceiling to try and distract you, to pretend it's not really happening, yeah? And again, if we dig into that metaphor, so often we will become fly-infested and literally bang our heads against the wall of life because we won't stop and go through the discomfort of the shepherd anointing us with oil to look after us. So if we do not have this anointing on us and our eyes and ears and mouth, and again I thought, just just unpack the sensory nature from the Psalms that, we, that I mentioned at the beginning. Maybe as we come out of COVID, not to stretch the metaphor, but what are we, you know, this place, have you noticed how everything is just so clustered together on our heads for life like sheep? Ears, eyes, nose, mouth, yeah? Well, where is our attention at the moment? What's our relationship with food, the sensory things of life? Because we often want those, don't we, to feel better. I did this week, so I watched my favorite TV program. It was great. And I had a kebab. I'm getting some nods of agreement over there, yeah? See? We know that. And by the way, Scripture talks about the relationship that we're supposed to have between work and Sabbath and, and the, the sensory things of life. But what, again, another diagnostic is the shepherd bringing things to us for our senses. Or are we just pursuing them ourselves to try and relieve the torment and distress that we might feel? And then the fourth one, the fourth fear, freedom from hunger. You can't, sheep will not lie down unless they're free from hunger. Interesting, isn't it? Green pastures were not common in the ancient Near East. Did you know that? It was usually all desert. If there was a green pasture, it was there for one reason alone, because a shepherd had spent time pulling up the rocks, digging it up, planting seed, carrying water, and watering it. And then you would end up with a green pasture. So the psalmist, David, is saying the only reason a sheep got to a green pasture was because it was one that the shepherd had worked hard on to make for them. Now, in between where the sheep were and the green pasture that the shepherd would take the sheep to, there would be the odd bits and bobs to eat, and they would be rubbish. And can you guess what sheep who didn't trust their shepherd would do on the way to the green pasture? they would eat the most crap thing that they found along the way and end up really ill. But sheep that had learned to trust the shepherd would keep on going through the desert until they got to the green pasture. It's interesting, if you read the Philip Keller book, you find that sheep actually went on a route with their shepherd through a year. They would, they would go to places that were good for lambing, they would even go, we're going to get to it, the valley of the shadow of death. There was the point where sheep, to get to the place for lambing, had to go through the most dangerous place where they were most at risk. But the shepherd knew they couldn't get to the high ground and safety without going there. So this leading an image is here. And unless sheep trust the shepherd, they'll eat anything and rubbish. And again... Can you guess what happens with a bunch of sheep 
if a few of them run off to eat a bunch of crap, what happens to the other sheep? They all go, let's eat crap too. <laughs> Unless enough of the sheep stay with the shepherd. Green pastures. So, lastly, number two, and there's only one thing under here to finish. Um, let's read Matthew 5, verse 6, and then Jeremiah 2, verse 3. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is Jesus. Again, if you don't believe me, flick through the Gospels and look at the number of times Jesus talks about what we eat and what we drink and how he is food and he is water. He is life that we are to be ingested by him and with him. And then Jeremiah 2 verse 3. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So this, this verse here, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Yeah? Next line. He leads me beside quiet waters. What's going on here with the image of a shepherd? Water is the most fundamental thing for life, isn't it? Um, most of us probably never get really thirsty, like in danger of dying thirsty. But sometimes you might have been out in the heat and been absolutely desperate for a drink. And there's nothing like water when you are really, really thirsty. Have you had that experience when you've been so thirsty that when you drink water, you think, this is the best thing I have ever drunk in my life. This is better because what your brain's doing, it's saying, this is keeping you alive. And you think, this is better than beer. This is better than wine. If you're really, really desperate for water, everything in your body, when it gets real water, will go, <gasps> you need more of this. So most, a lot of you will know we can go 30 days without food, yeah? But only about three days without water. And again, scripture, again and again and again, talks about food, but also about water and the importance of water. Sheep without water will do something very dangerous. And can you guess what sheep without water will do? They will drink anything. And they end up with parasites, and they end up sick, and they end up with toxic things in them. Because again, they eat the wrong things, they drink the wrong things. Something else about sheep that I didn't know till I read Philip Keller's book. Sheep can go several months without actually drinking from water. As long as they're eating the grass in the pastures that the shepherd takes them to. And as long as they eat it early in the morning, because in the morning there is dew on the grass. And dew on grass is completely pure. And no toxins and no poisons. So one of the things the shepherd will do is get the sheep to eat first thing in the morning to get water and the grass into them. And again, you can see where this image goes and why Jesus picks up on it. And scripture, the Bible itself, is likened to food for us, isn't it? I bet you if you were to just quickly run through your head, every Christian that you know who is close to the shepherd and close to Jesus, I bet you most of them eat from God's word, food and drink, first thing in the morning. 
I bet you they do. I bet it's one of the things that they've done for years. And it's why people who have eaten and drunk from Jesus himself and God's word at times of drought seem to be able to go on longer because they've learned where to eat and drink. It's another diagnostic for us. Again, sometimes I talk to people in our church, sometimes I talk to people outside the church and friends and, and family, and sometimes someone will say, I literally remember someone saying to me, they stopped eating. They stopped going to God to eat. And if you stop going to God to drink, you really can't last very long in relationship with him. Again, maybe some of us could think about friends and family that we know stopped eating and drinking and their faith and their life with Jesus just died. Maybe you went through a period. Maybe you're going through one now. So again, we might pause and think, are we doing like Jeremiah 2, verse 13, digging our own cisterns? Because God makes it very clear, if we make our own cisterns for our own water in life, it doesn't go well for us. But if we trust the good shepherd, then God has water for us. This is the, where I want to finish this. Um, in the ancient Near East, there would be wells. And wells would not often not be like we imagine in the English countryside. You know, a nice big hole in the ground and a you know, lid on the top and a, and a rope. But a cistern would be a well. And a cistern would be in a cave. And what would happen is, if you went into a series of caves and the shepherds would clear them out and make them wider, if you went into a deep cave longer and longer and longer and longer, eventually at the back of the cave would be somewhere where water had condensed and actually water may have come up from the ground. That's what was a cistern. And they would then dig that out and make it more. In other words, it was a place that the shepherd had spent a long time working hard on for the water, and that's what's in mind here. He makes me lie down in green pastures and still waters. Here's the last image of the sheep for you. So Philip Keller says one of the things that the sheep have to do is they have to go into the dark. Do you remember what sheep do not like doing? Scared of their own shadows. And they have to walk for a long way together in an environment that is challenging to them and unnatural to them. But if they trust the shepherd, what's at the end of that journey is still waters to drink from. And again, I just felt as we land there, can the worship team come back? Let's all stand. Well, maybe what a fitting image for us as we hope we're coming out of COVID. The Lord wants us to make lake lie down in green pastures, but he has these waters for us. If we will trust him and follow him through the dark and our fears. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. Lord, shepherd Lord we pray as we worship we would be able to attend to these 
things that trouble us, the four things as sheep, and we pray that you would minister to us, good shepherd, and that you would bring us to green pastures and still waters. Amen.